If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now! Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by our rogue leader, Chris Byrne, red leader, Dave Bond, and gold leader, Charlie Brickin of Movie Drone. How are you fine gentlemen doing? Gold, really? Sorry. No, sorry. I was going by the colours, not by the actual leaders of the people. <clears throat> Why, what's wrong with gold? It's all right, but it's a bit tacky, isn't it? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a classic, so red, 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 red is almost got, my... He's gone bling. I know yeah, Charlie, I, I, I think you're gold. Also, always believe in your soul. You have the power to know. <laughs> the worst You're thing about it was he was probably promoted out of Red Group to get that, per, you know, position. Yeah, I think the leader would be quite high up. He's in your Y-wing pilots. So. Oh. I mean, I don't know how it, how it works, really. I don't know how it's assigned. I, I made Rude leader up, so... Uh, is is well, Red always uh, X-wing? <laughs> is Red leader always, like, or Red always... X-Wing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, how are you? <laughs> anyway, I'm good. Sorry, I'm, I just completely nerded out then. and um, He was upset. Oh, I'm very sorry. Yes. It's all right. I, I was purely going I, by, on, by the colours. I, I apologise oh. for being a huge nerd. <clears throat> no. <laughs> I see, I, I completely missed what my what, what was my colour. I don't know, I called you rogue leader. <laughs> oh, okay, well, okay. In other words, unemployed. <laughs> In other words, loner. Going <laughs> It's a bit like uh, Reservoir Dogs, isn't it? Mr. Pink. Brown leader? What do you mean? Yeah, you're, you're, Mr. Sh- you're Mr. Shit. <laughs> you're Mr. Shit, fella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Chair. Pink, I'll, I'll be happily Mr. Purple. I'll be Mr. Purple. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Orange? Why do they call you Mr. Purple? Hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We're all fine. Yeah, we're good. But why are we here? And should we have come? Anyway, that's from a different oh. series entirely. <laughs> from a different evening. <laughs> Is that a new one you've got planned? <laughs> it's a good job because I haven't got any tissues at the moment. Uh, Keeping the British under. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just ruining it all this evening. I'm very yeah, sorry. I'm providing entertainment. Yeah. We, when we do our charity podcast, we promise none of it will be used for more tissues for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he will buy his own at some point. How well known do you expect us to talk charity tissues how, for how Chris? How vital are they, though? If we, finished, if we finished here tonight and you were suddenly like, you know what, right? Would you have to go to like the late night garage or something? Oh, dear. <laughs> Lube in one hand and like two quid in the other. Can I... <laughs> It's like, quick, it's urgent. Well, I, for one, am very sad, because we are nearing the end, well, reaching the end of our Star Wars retrospective Sorry. series. 
Glad you clarified. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I thought we were moving away from smart. I just heard like Becca say, "Reaching the end." Just... Yeah. <laughs> we're about to climb. We're about to climax. <laughs> That's not what I meant at all. What's happened to us tonight? We're normally so professional. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. I'm just happy it's Becca to be smutty for once. I know it's disgusting if you ask me. Oh, you didn't ask me. Fair enough. <laughs> oh my god. So what, once we've had the reach around, what's what's then? <laughs> I really should be careful what I say in future. Um, oh, please don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> so tonight we review Rogue One, not Rouge One, as many people misspelled. Yeah. <laughs> Shakes fist. <laughs> Yeah, me right. off with Rouge Nation as well, the fifth possible film. Everyone looked amazing. Everyone looked fabulous because they were yes. all in Rouge. Yeah. Fabulous, darling. That was a great film. Rouge Nation. I, I might have preferred Ghost Postcard, but they're both really good. Yeah, I think those two are probably at the, at the top the top end of the Mission Impossible series. I'm looking forward to doing that if we come to do that. Well, that's the only way you would be looking forward to it because if we weren't, you wouldn't be. No. <laughs> Another one to add to the long list of. It's already on it. Don't worry. Series we'd like to see. <clears throat> I may <laughs> consult with you guys on this list at some point. <laughs> Projected for 2021. Yeah, this is it. I like how you guys have got your list, and I've got like my own list, and it's like, oh, the two never meet. And it's like, well, oh. I, I've only filled the alphabet once, so. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> We've got quite a few to go. Anyway, so who's in Rouge One? Rouge one, we've got a fabulous cast of Felicity Jones, Ritz Ahmed, Mads Mikkelsen, Ellen Tudyk, Forrest Whitaker, Jimmy Smith, Ben Mendelsohn, Guy Henry as CGI Uncanny Valley Peter Cushing, but we'll come to him later, um, and voice of James Earl Jones. Score by Michael Giacchino, script by Chris White and Tony Gilroy, and directed by Gareth Edwards, and released in 2016. Anyway, opening thoughts. Chris, what did you think of this movie upon release? Uh, I th- well, I thought it was okay. Uh, I was kind of disappointed walk, walking out. I, I, I thought I didn't. I didn't think much of it until like the last third. And my opinion of it is basically kind of like it's, it's not. It's not really changed from that really. Um, not to say it's not a bad film. It. I, I do actually. I think. I think it's pretty decent really. Uh, it's just I just couldn't get involved um, with anything up until like the last third. I think the last third is really really good. Um, I think the main problem is. Problems for me. Sorry, to sound like a negative Nancy. I was all negative Nancy all that all last week, so I'll uh, I won't say. Sorry, too just much being about contrary. It. Yeah, no, but <clears throat> it's um. It... I've sub- I'm... Hang on a minute. We got we got Back to the Future coming up. He's not going to shit on that, is he? <laughs> God. <laughs> no, no. Well, put put it this way. Back to the Future is like number three in my favorite film, so I'll probably be, be all right with that. Um. But no, I I. I, I generally think it's uh, it's a little case of um, the, the characters are a bit underwritten and uh, I think the two leads are miscast. I personally think that. Um, and yeah, the problem is I just, we just I personally don't feel any connection between any, any of the characters. But that said, uh, it's it's it it looks great. It, I think it's actually directed really well. Uh, despite all the what's the post production stuff that's happened, it still comes comes off as looking like as something complete 
uh, and a good good uh, spectacle. And yeah, it's uh, I think the last last third is really really great. So um, yeah, that, there's there's my opening thoughts. I um I never find it a particularly good sign when I walk out of a film and can't fucking remember anyone's name. It's all right if it's a Tom Cruise film because I just tend to call him Tom Cruise, whatever he's fucking playing. Um, but yeah, Tom Cruise runs some stuff. Jin Erso was the only new character names apart from K2SO I could remember. And K2SO I couldn't remember until I watched it again this time, if you like. In that I remembered it at the time, but I haven't seen it for a while and it slipped out of my mind. Um, it's a beautiful looking film. Um, it's the sort of thing I, I like to see them do with the... Uh, well, they, they were calling them anthology films, but the Star Wars stories that they're they're looking to do every other year. Um, this kind of treads a very fine line in that I don't want to fill in every plot point that we ever missed, but this seemed kind of an apt one to do. You know, a couple of lines in a crawl, and it's like a heist movie. Having said that, in the run into it, I was expecting Ocean's Eleven in space, and it isn't. It isn't quite that. I don't. You know, it doesn't have that verve. Um, I was thinking more like say? 30 Dozen, really. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, possibly. It is I pretty th- much Star Wars, does it, he doesn't. I don't think it is, but anyway, um, I think that's what it could have been. Um, I'm sort of with Chris in that I think, I actually think Felicity Jones is good in this, but I don't think she's the right casting. I will clarify. In, 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 in British terms, she's the wrong fucking social class for a start. Yeah. Um, but she's she's good in it. She does well with what she's got. If she was in The uh, Archers. Shouldn't that suffice? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I will clarify. Just, heavy-duty weapons. I will clarify, <laughs> just to bounce off what Dave said. It's, again, it's not actually... I didn't even double-check watching tonight, sort of actually examine like the, uh, the two leads. Um, and... It's not like either of them are doing a bad job. It's exactly no. what Dave said. It, they're just not the right Felicity fit for Jones. Me. I, I first saw Felicity Jones in Cemetery Junction, the Ricky Gervais film. Yeah. And I, I, apart from that, I've seen her in a few things. But I, I, the, the other thing that springs to mind is the theory of everything. The um, uh, what's he called? Stephen Hawking film. Now she's best. She's best as Daddy's princess as a character. That's the best casting for her. And I don't even necessarily mean spoiled. I just mean whatever image that sort of conjures up in your head. But she's fine. She's fine in it. Um, The biggest problem I've got with this film is I walked out of it and I couldn't remember anyone. The characters did fuck all for me. I I didn't care when they died at the end. Um, And in fact, when they finally head off to Scarif, there is a a sort of let's assemble a load of people because we've got to have summer's fodder. I, I... I like the film more than, this, than that's coming across, actually. And, and one thing I will say, it's got one of the really great Act 3s we've ever covered. Because Act 3 is normally my weakness, because what we tend to cover is a lot of films with action in it. And everything storytelling turns off, and you get a load of like really uninspiring action most of the time. Even in great films, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 springs to mind, the first one. Didn't give a shit about the last half an hour of that film as good as the, as good as the film was. This has a really great act three, but having walked out, only differentiating it from the Force Awakens in quality by that aforementioned character thing, I revisited it yesterday, 
and I'm bored until Act Three. I don't hate it. I think it's a, I think it's quite a good film, but I'm bored until Act Three, and that's because the characters aren't taking me with them. There's some funny lines in it. It looks great, but yeah, I I, I could have happily had that as like a twenty minute short and just the third act. Did you Did you think it, sh- it could have been shorter? Um. I don't think it notably dragged, actually. I mean, it, it's a very well-made film. I mean, it, it mm. doesn't drag. I mean, it's, it's about two and a quarter hours, I think. And it's fine. And when I say I'm bored, I don't mean I'm falling asleep. I just mean I'm Disengaged. not as engaged as... I'm not as engaged as I'd like to be. Yeah. Um, and I don't watch Star Wars films in that, in that vein normally. The week before we did uh, The Force Awakens, and it had me. It had my undivided attention. I wasn't drifting... I was enjoying it. On first watch, I had similar experiences with the two, but The Force Awakens is settling much, much better in my mind over time. And Rogue One, apart from the last sort of half an hour, feels a little bit kind of, I don't need it really. Um, <clears throat> I really like it. I, uh, probably predictable for from, from me, really. Um, <clears throat> I recognise issues with it. Um, I think it, it takes a bit... Um, a bit of time to uh, to get going, and uh, the characters are probably not kind of drawn as strongly as they could. But I think maybe that's because of the kind of slightly different approach they took in this, where it is a war film more than any of the other films so far, and the kind of shades of grey they're trying to, sh- trying to show here, um, instead of what we're normally used to with Star Wars, which is black and white, black and white, black and white. Um, yeah, I, th- I think. It's definitely got and the third the third act is is amazing. Um, as I said, I, I think it maybe takes a little bit of time to kind of get going, but I'm kind of I'm with it all the way. I, I really like the uh, the characters. It's great for representation as well um, for uh, some of the other people of color in it, and obviously um, Felicity Jones up front as the uh, as as the star. Um, I don't really have a problem with any of the acting. Um, I think maybe Diego Luna, because, uh, <clears throat> again, his role is fairly underwritten. Um, but, again, he's not... He's, he's even on... It's kind of like looking at where Han Solo was in Star Wars when we met him, and then he's a kind of a few more shades darker than that, really, um, which I think is interesting and maybe doesn't get pulled off as well as it should be. Um but uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah, I've always felt he's um, his role need, needs to be someone who's a little bit more movie star because I think he's he's a good actor, but he's more more like what, I think, what, I think what they call character actor. Yeah, but I think that's the point is they're all character actors. Even Felicity Jones, she's not really a movie star per se. <laughs> no. So I, I think telling the story and um, it needed to be an ensemble piece. And it needed to be character actors and, and people that weren't movie stars because this is, I guess, being where it is, there's a spin-off from Star Wars, so where you've got Harrison Ford and what have you, and where who is a big movie star. It's kind of showing the other side of things which we don't kind of usually have time for in the normal films. Um, no, I really like this one. Um, I would try to argue probably not as succinctly as yourself, but this is kind of more, for me, I kind of saw it as more of like a war movie, but it just happens to have a Star Wars banner. So it's not really kind of like a Star Wars movie featuring a battle, it's like a war film that just happens to you know be in the Star Wars universe. Um, and I, I found that 
I, once I saw it that way, I, I enjoyed it a lot more. So I was thinking, well, this is, you know, obviously there's no, no Han Solo, obviously no Han Solo, in, you know, in none of the actual characters in, in the original series, obviously because it's leading up to that. So, we wouldn't, you know, it would obviously make no sense. So I kind of thought, okay, going with this one, it's not very like a Star Wars-y kind of movie. Um, oh, that sounds really sad. But then I thought, okay, I'll see it in the prism as like a war movie. And then, hence, you know, you mentioned Dirty Dozen um, later, but it's a kind of, you know, here's a telling mark, or kind of really outlandish, you know, unexpected acts that the team have to make, you know, against all odds, and they pull it off, you know, like a, kind of like a raid movie almost. And once I kind of saw it in that prism, I really enjoyed it a lot more. Um, great cast, I think, fantastic. Um, but I, I did have the same problem as you, Dave. I kind of left the cinema and was like, what? who are they? What were their names? So, yeah, I kind of struggled with that a little bit, um, but then I tend to struggle anyway. <laughs> I was always, like, talking about it with my dad afterwards. You're kind of like, oh, the Forrest Whitaker character or, or Mads Mikkelsen character, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same, um, Becca, to be honest. I'm much more of a, a faces rather than names guy. No, that's it. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I think, it's, again, it's another one that's got, like, long running time, um, two and a bit hours. Um, but I don't think any, any of it did really drag for me. Um, editing is fine. I would agree with you that it looks fantastic. I think this is, obviously, it's a very recent film, so the effects right now are probably at, at their peak and will continue to, to get better. It's the prettiest Star Wars movie that we've had in a long time, and it's kind of more, I think, the special effects didn't stick out as much. It, it blends in very well. It helps and that Scarif is so beautiful, doesn't it? A, a, mm. I want to go there as a holiday destination, you know. <laughs> Where's that based nice. on, Charlie? Where, where, was, where, where did they film the bits that doubled as Scarif? Do you know? Um, yeah, it was filmed in um, in the uh, Maldives. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, kind of, it looks kind of very lush and tropical. Well, it was um, till the Death Star shot it, so I won't go. Was it? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going to the Maldives now. Cause... No, I, was like, I like to go there prior to being destroyed by the Death Star. Yeah, the cast are all brilliant. Again, you've got a kind of very um, sort of British American wide range all over the globe. Um, I like how it draws on a lot of um like original production images and, and art from the original Star Wars movies um and a lot of George Lucas's original ideas for the Star Wars series and, and what they would become no I, I sort of really enjoyed it now this film had um a slightly controversial thing of reusing well not reusing there is a reusing element obviously we'll get to that but obviously it's created uh, new performances from, in one case, an actor who's passed away, and in another case, an actor who's since passed away, but at the time was decades older than in this film. What did we make of this, both as a way forward, both in how they did it and as a sort of way forward for this happening more in cinema in the future? I think for this particular story... I don't think that well, I'm fine with both both of them, and I think um, te- technically that they're, they're pulled off really, really well. Um, I had I said some really vicious comments about some of them, uh, and uh, I, th- I think they look really good. But um, while I don't necessarily think that the Princess Leia, it was a good end, it was a nice one for the ending, but wasn't as necessary as um, Tarkin perhaps was. I mean, I know they could have. Recat, they could have just used the guy as cast, um, but he was such a huge part of Star Wars, of the first Star Wars, where the fact that he was the main villain there, not Darth Vader. Um, so to kind of have him kind of 
not in the foreground like this would feel like something missing. And also, I really fucking love Peter Cushing, so it's, it's kind of great to see him again. I was just really weirded out by the whole... I, I, I agree. I, I would agree that he is totally necessary to the series. Um, and to have someone like Guy Henry, I think, is is really good. I mean, he was known as, like, Holby or from ER or um, Harry Potter, the last two Harry Potter movies. But I just... It, it's very clever how they did it. But I just think it did go a little bit uncanny value for me, and it did take me out of the film. I was like, ah, oh, he obviously looks too real to be real, if that makes sense. And I was kind of taken out a little bit. Um, obviously, it did the end CGI later, I think, because... Um, it's brilliant the technology behind it is fantastic but it just for me I'm sorry it just kind of broke the fourth wall and, and took me out of the out of the moment um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of with Charlie here I, yeah I, I just really enjoyed having Peter Cushing back it was just kind of it just felt kind of nice and I thought they pulled it off really well my own, only really thing I mean I, I wasn't too bothered about getting technical of like oh maybe the technology isn't quite right that kind of thing doesn't really bother me but but to go on that, I, I do wonder how this will age in about, say, 10 years. 10 years or so. Like, we might, technology might go, like, sort of takes to a place where this just looks really, really tacky. Um, but I guess they can just reject that anyway. Um, but uh, kudos to the, to the guy who actually played Peter Cushing, um, or did a Cushing impression, because he was pretty much spot on. The voice, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I've got mixed feelings because when you say I don't know how it will look in, in 10 years, uh, Chris, I think I can answer that. It will look horrendous. <laughs> because I mean, it just will because it doesn't look great now. It, it looks good until they fucking move. I mean, they're all right. But as soon as he turns his eyes, moves his eyes at all, it, it doesn't look good. Now, it's a quantum leap on from ways they've done it before. I mean, it looked awful in Tron Legacy, for example. <laughs> Uh, with Jeff Bridges' character. I mean, that just looked bad. I got mixed feelings on it only because I was pleased to see Peter Cushing. If his if 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 estate is all right with it, I'm fine. The very fact it doesn't look perfect means it won't actually be confused for a real performance. So in decades' time, people won't look back on it and say, well, that was a good actor or a bad actor or whatever and think it was the real guy. So, so I got a blast of nostalgia out of it. But I can't pretend I thought it looked good. As soon as soon as he moved, I thought it looked actually really quite bad. The layer thing looked even worse because I think that the problem with it was is they probably put a bit less time to that because it was a smaller bit of performance. It was just a little sort of Easter egg at the end of the film. Seeing the back of her would have been plenty. We would have just gone, oh, layers in there. That's where we are. So... I don't want to slaughter them for it. They've tried to do it. Kind of looks all right. But let, let's not pretend this looks fucking like convincing because it doesn't. They're, they're digital characters and there's just no way around them being digital characters. But Tarkin, even allowing for the extra screen time, is, is better done than Leia is. Oh, I will say this. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate for the people who um, weren't too hot on this. I think you could, you could argue... As, as an ethical thing, it's like you just basically, it's not, you can't really call it a performance really because everything about it is just fake really other than the, the guy doing the voice, which is essentially an impression really. But he's not, he's not credited as Peter Cushing. No, yeah. he isn't. 
Charlie's right. The <clears> fact <throat> that it isn't perfect actually gets around the ethical issue for me a bit, almost. Mm. Because if, if you know, if in 20 years' time we get a Sean Connery Bond film, oh, you go, weird. well, ethically, where are we with that? Because it's not his performance. He hasn't signed off on it. Yet we're getting new, quote, unquote, Sean Connery performances. But the thing is, at the moment, the technology, you'd have to be quite inobservant to think that was a real performance. And like Charlie says, at no point is this sold as the glorious return of Peter Cushing. Yeah. It's a way to make it consistent with what in the timeline is a day or two afterwards. So I've got mixed feelings on it. I, I, I'm, I've got no ethical problem with it. And Carrie Fisher was a, alive when they mm. decided to do her in the film. So oh, sure. I'm presuming she was okay with it. I've got no ethical issue with it. I think it opens up ethical issues. Like the aforementioned, can we have a Roger Moore or Sean Connery Bond film once they're dead? Is that acceptable? But the, I, I thought the execution, although far better than anything we've had before, I don't think it's quite good enough. I don't think I don't think they could have done better. I think that's where the technology is at the moment, and as as a consequence, I think it will look terrible in a few years' time. That's just me, you know. I've 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 heard people. I don't think there's any great reason to be nasty. Yeah, I, about I it. don't really agree with that. So yeah, that's again, fine. That's, yeah, it's fine. I I don't have a problem with that, and I certainly don't think there's any great need to be nasty about it. You know, I, I don't. I've read some of the bile and poison as well, and you think, well, the estate were on board. They've mm. not sold it as real performance. Well, yeah, they wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. I, I don't. Would they? I, I don't think it's an evil, nasty thing they've done. Oh, no, no. And actually, think, I think they've done it fairly competently. But yeah, as soon as Tarkin moves, there's a problem. For it's me. Like a bit. Dull. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, I do. I, I think technology behind is very clever. Obviously, you know, they would have approached the estate. But I think it's done very respectfully as well. And it's done very true to. Yeah. Cushing's original performance. Well, my, my final point outside of the actual scenes, just in terms of how it looks, is he, I found Cushing much more successful, or Tarkin, much more successful when everything was straight on. Where he was in distance, talking directly to somebody and maybe walking forward. That worked really well. It's when he started like turning and tilting his head and eyes. That's mm-hmm. where there was a problem. And I, I could certainly cut together like the best few seconds of it maybe even the best like minute of it and it would look really good sure yeah i'm I'm really glad to have him back in this picture because he is completely necessary and certainly in that terms of in terms of that era of star wars movies for all that Um, rather that than a recast no that's it yeah definitely i mean it's fantastic it's it's really good kind of to you know obviously he feels he's quite an important character in this section of the star wars story um but i just feel like as he said like the look of him took me out unfortunately it was it did send me down the uncanny valley sadly um but yeah no it's it great to see him on the screen again um it's fantastic and i just he's like he's one of my all-time favorite sherlock holmes actors for example is cushing um and you know he's known for hammer horror and just an, an absolute icon of british cinema um and he yeah, was doctor who the, as well and he was doctor who exactly there we are um don't forget that whovians um but yeah just the effects behind it just redded me out slightly but on the whole very very good I mean, they could have resolved it a little bit, or could have made it because, you know, for, uh, for those who like like yourself, Dave, who I who struggled when when he moved and taught, if they had him has his scenes were done in the version of a hologram screen I or something, you know, kind of kind of like Emperor Emperor in in um, Emperor Strikes Back. It might that could have taken off like some of the the issue of you know if they, you got that dig, digital sheen of the hologram so you can just kind of wash over okay well 
that's an, an easier pill to swallow. I, I don't think it was horrendous. I don't think anyone did anything wrong. I don't have a problem with people who think it looks good. You know, it, it really Yay. isn't that big a deal. But it, it's definitely, uh, yeah, I was struggling to switch off when I was watching it that, oh, that doesn't look right. Oh, that doesn't look right. That bit's really good. Oh, that doesn't look right. And that was kind of the sort of curve of as I was watching it. Because it certainly seemed as I rewatched it the other night on a slightly smaller screen at home where I thought, oh, actually, this looks better than I remember. And then something would happen and I'd go, oh, yeah, you know, but there you go. I, I Bizarrely, for all of that, on balance, I'm glad they did it. I'm, I am glad they did it. It was it was a nice blast of uh, of the seventies. <laughs> a nice touch of Cushing. Well, I think it's true of all the, the the bits we've got of original characters in in this, even where it's like you know unused takes and stuff, and and things comped in. It was just like being back in sort of the late seventies. Pretty cool. They they did a they did a really great job with this film. On the production design. Well, it's also the fact that later on when we get to Scarif and stuff, you've got shots of, like, the original sort of pilots. And you think to get, even to get it to match, because I don't know if this was shot on film or digitally, but even to get it to match is difficult, and it does. Because I actually thought they got the actors and de-aged them, but they didn't. They used footage from the 77 film. It's really quite impressive what they've done here. It was shot on digital. Right. Well, that that would make it even tougher then. Yeah. So because yeah, you've got a mismatch of source material, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, it, I, I'm actually really glad they they did. I'm really really pleased with it. Uh, Charlie, invent a crawl for us. <clears throat> okay. Um, <laughs> let me see. <laughs> Isn't it basically, isn't a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away? Yeah, isn't it basically <laughs> the episode, call of episode four? Episode three point five. Rogue One. Um, it's the first few lines of opening of episode four, isn't it? We are going to push you on this. It was just a chance. Yeah, no, no I, was, I, was, I was thinking about it earlier, and if, if I could have, would have spent more time kind of... War! Soon. <laughs> the, gal- the galaxy is now in full control of the, of the Empire, who are preparing... A deadly super weapon to cement their grip on the systems on the many star systems control. Empire, they're a bunch of shit. Yeah, they are. They're not very nice. I mean, look. I mean, to to be honest, like they kind of do the opening call as a scene because it's the opening scene. They introduce who? um, Fuck, what's her name? (laughs) Yeah, Felicity Felicity Jones. Fish Jones and sure and uh in a call though, would he? Meanwhile, Genoso's parents got killed. Genoso's mum was killed and she went off with Forrest Whitaker. PS <laughs> blue milk. You know? <laughs> you'd get like the the Empire of uh have have taken scientists, uh the, the scientists, you know, the chief, uh to to build a deadly a deadly weapon. Um uh, while while a, a child dinner, so has it's been. It's taken all these years since episode three to build because he's very fond of like card nights, <laughs> and they keep downing to, tools to gamble. Because to translate from those guys that just click. Because the problem is, you go straight from that scene, and then like to how many years later after that, when when she's grown up and that. So yeah. it's a, kind of difficult to kind of do a call. A desperate rebellion has turned to young Genoso, daughter of 
the main technical designer of the Death Star in order to have her appeal to her or I don't know, steal the plans for this ultimate weapon. There you go. That's not bad, actually. Freedom, help restore freedom to the galaxy. P.S. Luke's farming. (laughs) And uh, doesn't the camera look up? Yeah, I know. They've got they've got a real taste for it now, haven't they? They're like first time a camera has ever panned up in the history of cinema. I know. They're just like we can set a new trend here. Space goes that way as well. Let's have a look. Space goes up instead of down. It's quite a it's quite a, a disconcerting shot that opening one for me, um, because well, the sort of rings are, are, are up here. Yeah, but they, with the shadows and everything, they've done it to make it look like, resemble clearly, and to that those opening shots. So trying to work out why it's all square, and then when it slowly kind of pulls out, you see and you see the little shuttle and stuff. I was like, ah, this is what what planet is this? We, we're going down to basically see. Um, Young Jean Erso's family with her father yeah. Galen. I don't know what the mother's called. Uh, and she's too to, to be dead in okay. five minutes. And, right, and it's kind of <laughs> like Tatooine if it was cold and volcanic. Yeah, in that it's it's a very similar living arrangement to the farm moisture farm on Tatooine, but it's in a, a much blacker, darker, colder environment. And they basically come to get Galen because Galen was some kind of weapons designer or something. Are we discussing yeah. this film so, in a sequential fashion? Yeah, yeah, we got right on with it. Join in if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Um, yeah, because um, we thought we'd go off format because this is an off format film. So, final thoughts, everyone. Fun facts first, come on. He was original, originally there for, to design the Death Star. Or to, to work on the design, and then he went off. So that, but then they and then they got problems. So that way, Krennic had to uh, go and grab him because they needed to get it online. Yeah, they, there's bits in it they can't figure out, and he's taken. He's effectively taken by force, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and her mother's shot, and the blue milk goes undrunk. <laughs> yeah, he's basically That's a, an ultimatum. Like, look, Evie can. Like, come, come and work come and work for me and your family will be taken care of and you're living life in luxury or we'll just take kill, you. kill you and, t- and, and take you anyway and, and carry on or whatever, yeah. or whatever the plan is but yeah so he shoots him um, although after she tries to uh, to shoot him first and then after abandoning you, her, her infant child though which is kind of yeah, like yeah, priorities Jane runs, runs to a uh it's kind of like Roger Moore's uh, iceberg in Future <laughs> Kill. Yeah, she gets in there and like fingers Miss World. Hang on, no. <laughs> oh, it's not exactly like the iceberg, all right. But it's a it's a rock with it's a rock with a, a, it's a fake it. rock. Yeah, it's not an iceberg, and Miss World's not in there. <laughs> and then there's there's no Beach Boys to be heard anywhere. No, and at no point does she invent snowboarding. No, and and it's not three days to Alaska, so let's get it on. <laughs> okay, so it's not that like a <laughs> kill, but you're right in that it's a hidden hidey hole. It's a panic room. Yeah. So then she stays there while he's taken off. Um, this also introduces the death troopers as well. 
who I thought looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah, they and, look, uh, yeah pretty not. Yeah, Shim, Shim, I don't see much of them, really. It's kind of like, oh, kind of, kind of like a cool concept. Yeah, Gareth, Gareth Edwards um, specifically um, cast people that were kind of like really tall and thin. Mm. So they had a different a, a different kind of um, silhouette yeah. from, storm, from your average stormtrooper. What are they called they again? They have a totally different yeah. physicality. Right, okay. Did they class like what the difference is? Yeah, one's for storming and the other one's for, <laughs> for <killing>. deathing. <laughs> and then you've got one's for, one's for sanding. <laughs> the other one's for flaming? Uh, one's for cloning. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing they're just like special forces kind of thing. Yeah, of course they are. Um, and also, I don't know if it's just like when, when people get into power in the uh, in the Empire... They suddenly get just suddenly decide what colour their troops will be. I do wonder if it's that if they've just got them hanging on pegs in a wardrobe. Where is it? Where is it? We're going. It's, it's quite dark there. Are this they, these will be ideal. Do you think there's like quite a camp like general who's got like a load of pink stormtroopers? We'll go with the yellow ones today. <laughs> they just look like Crichton in the nude. <laughs> Beige. Beige. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is quite hard. So her mother gets shot right in front of her. Her father's yeah. stolen. This film is quite grim. It's very depressing. Um, everyone dies. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, it's, it's not like that. There are moments of brevity, but like this film starts off quite dark and just gets even more bleaker as time goes on. Indeed. Enter Forest Whitaker. Um, what what, so yeah, what so do you think of Chronic, by the way? For I thought he was really good. Um, oh, I, I love Ben Mendelsohn and everything. Yeah, he's, a, he's a great actor, Amazing. and he was very creepy in this. The, 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 yeah, I mean, the, th- the thing I've, I've seen him in most recently, well, apart from this, because I watched it last night, was a, a Netflix original series called Bloodline, which I've mentioned before on the show, mentioning, I, I don't know if it was Ben Mendelsohn I was talking about then, probably. Yeah, it was, because he was in The Dark Knight Rises. Mm, yeah, um, the show itself lost me about a third of the way through the second season, because it was really slow. But he was like um, the black sheep of the family and a real troublemaker, and he was just phenomenal in it. Is it kind um, of similar to how he is in um, Animal Kingdom? I've not seen Animal Kingdom. Oh, you should. That he's really good in that. Well, yeah, I, think, I think it's a good film no, anyway. It's on the to-do list, but no, I haven't, I haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, no, he, he's really, really good in that. So I was really happy with him here because there's always shades in what he's doing. Mm. Um, and you need that because he's, he's both a bad guy and sort of a victim in this film. So a really good casting, really happy. With he's him. he's kind of like Milton from the um, Office Space. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of harsh. Um, <laughs> okay, I was picturing Millhouse too in this uh, Office Space. <laughs> oh, he just he just feels like constantly getting screwed over by his superiors. Just like I feel like yeah. the, the Death Star to him is like his version of the Red Staple. It's like my staple. He's trying to constantly screw them over anyway, so it's kind of it's a vicious circle, really. He could take yeah, the he would. Yeah. Um, I could have done with more mustache twirling, theoretically. Obviously, because he hasn't got moustache to twirl. No, yeah, he, he didn't need a epic tash to twirl, didn't he? Uh, but I, did, well, I think he's, I he's got his cape. He's got his cape, hasn't he? So. I, I thought he... I'm in kind of two minds a little bit with him, because I, I do think he's a really good... I mean, I love Ben Wilson anyway. Um, I, don't, I think I think he's a great actor. I, I do think he, I, he did something that was generally really interesting, which is kind of like take the villain and play him in in a kind of really... 
not to humanise him, but make him like a believable human being. Where you know, in in, in a sense where he can, he's he's not hamming it up in any way. It feels very nuanced and natural. Definitely. That's what. That's why I think he doesn't need to be anymore. Most most of us because where you've got a film where you've got Peter Cushing, where you've got Tarkin and Darth Vader in it. Mm. Um, I think with that with that kind of triangle, well, so where would your sympathies lay when like Tarkin is fucking giving him a tough time and then Vader's giving him a tough time? Yeah, you've got it's, it's, that. It's right on the edge and it's perfect actually. Yeah, because as far I, as I'm concerned, he brings it all in all himself. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, he does. I I think what it is, it, I think it is because of that. Because when you've got two, well, you got two very um, established villains. I mean, you've essentially got Peter Cushing and Darth Vader, and they're both sort of like giving him shit, and he just sort of like belittles him as the lead villain a little bit. I just uh, so maybe I feel as a little bit of a bastard himself. I mean, he has moments like one of the lines in the opening bit where he just first did the, like. Jenna, so as all the child is like it, you know, it's not even get her, get the child. Well, I guess, I guess that's the thing because go, going to that lo- that line that we were discussing before we uh, actually started with it, um, his aspirations are such a key thing in this film, and he's much more of a businessman than a leader. He doesn't have what it need, he doesn't have what it takes um, to be the kind of leader that that Tarkin is, who is his, the person he wants to replace. So I, th- I think that's the whole point of him, that he is he's never going to get there. Um, so he's trying to squirm his he, way he's around. He's a weak individual, and, really. Exactly. So, yeah, and he'll, and he'll play everyone the way he wants to play them um, and try the best to, uh, to be as nice as possible while stabbing them in the back um, as quickly as possible to get what he wants. And so I think, again, it's, it's, it's a very untypical kind of, Villain for Star Wars. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it, it might be that. To be fair, it might be the fact that why something about it just doesn't quite work for me, and it's not because you know, you know, there, there are things in about it that I actually like, and even considering those fa- those factors, I think okay, this might not be why it works, but I kind of like like the idea, or at least I like them trying it. At least maybe it's just my conventional. I just I just like my villains to be kind of domineering and kind of. Very sort of domineering, hey? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's like, oh, like you know, it's like the typical thing, like <laughs> movies only as strong as your villain kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, 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 one thing I did cross my mind, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I wondered what if you swap the roles with um, uh, Matt and uh, Ben Mendelsohn, you know, Ben Mendelsohn playing the father and Matt Mickelson playing the villain. It would be typecast, obviously, after playing um, Le Chief or probably. Or Hannibal, yeah, Hannibal Lecter. But I, don't, I don't know. Um, even Mickelson just seems quite um, subdued, almost. Um, he's very because kind of he's, he's, he's yeah, he's not a flashy actor. Whereas Mendelssohn always kind of seems a bit psychotic, anyway. For me, anyway. Me- Mendelssohn could spin on a dime and suddenly strangle you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've not seen all of Hannibal, so there's there's no doubt. I'm I'm sure he can do that too. But Matthew Mickelson's a very different type of actor. To be honest, had they released these this film with those two actors in the opposing roles, I think it still would have worked all right. They both mm-hmm. could have done it. Yeah, they're both really but capable. It'd be really I, interesting. But I don't. I don't yeah. But I don't, I don't watch it at either of them and think miscast at all. No, I think I do. I can just see Ben Mendelsohn actually being like the. 
the loving father almost because I think he's that good of an actor, good of an actor. it's just like an interesting idea I had in my head because I think while Madison is a pretty is a very good actor I think he would have put might have like been a more dominant dominating screen presence as a villain and still done all that like that that stuff that his that Krennic actually has in terms I of being like a weak it's, weak it's guy diff- above it all it's difficult. It was just, it was just a see. thought just, I had, really. Yeah. About... I guess because ostensibly Krennic is is puts himself as Galen's best mate. Yeah, yeah. he says but, it in a kind of. Um... <laughs> but it's completely a false relationship. It, it, it's convenience. Galen yeah. has has a skill he can use. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you, he's got no no compunction about killing his wife and stuff like that later on. Later on chronologically, because we do get flashbacks to um, they knew Krennic when she was a child, yeah. when she was a younger child. I mean, before this happened. So yeah, so we end up with we cut forward from there, don't we? Yes, to... fifteen years introduces Cassian, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. Um, and his terrible seventies hairdo and sideburns and beard. Has he got a beard? He's got a colour like a must. It's like a goatee. It is, like yeah, a... it's a bit like. <laughs> Dodgy seventies. I, I think it's more ethnic than anything. I, I don't really Mexican. think he is that dodgy seventies actually. Although it would be entirely appropriate given we're leading right into. Well, that's what my dad said anyway. Of... Just because I've seen photos of him when he was growing up in that era and looked a bit the same. Well, I've seen photos of that. <laughs> he era, looks like big, and we've seen films. He does. From that. He does. That's right. Especially in the in the deleted scene, mm, um, it's, it's where Biggs is wearing like style, I think, yeah, or what I've been told. Yeah, so we meet him at this on this um, imper- on this kind of it's not an imperial space station. It's just like a space station thing, mm. cut into an asteroid or what have you. Daniel Mays is in the scene as well. Yeah, he's a brilliant actor. Who is sorry? Daniel Mays. Yeah, this is the it, guy. He, yeah, and then he kills him, doesn't he? He does. So he, very sad. So he, yeah, he tells him about about Galen and about the, the defector, and then again, this is this thing that the first time we're meeting one of our heroes. And he just shoots this guy in cold blood. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was it was a bit of a surprise at the time. I thought, Christ, we're we going to be following this guy. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it, it's just they, he does what they have to do to stay alive, and that guy will slow him down. Mm. Well, yeah, you knew he'd be fucked. So he'd be either be, ca- he'd be executed anyway, or be captured and tortured and whatever. So yeah. um, it was like, oh, fuck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it also it also when you think about it leads to later on when he when we think he's going to execute somebody, yeah, you believe entirely he could do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's that kind of like Han Solo thing of like, yeah, you know, revealing like this aspect about his character. So when he has a change of heart about something, it, which is it, the main pur- which is the main purpose for this scene, mm-hmm. I yeah. think. Because when you rewatch it, it is just, it feels a bit busy work to get to the next scene, but it is, it, it is a bit of character work as little as there, there is in places in this film. Then I think we cut to Jin. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? That's right. <clears throat> so she's, 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 uh, she's a hardened prisoner. With plums in her mouth. mouth. Really? <laughs> <laughs> have you, have, do you have a video of this, Chris? <laughs> Sadly not, though. I do think she's a miscast. I do, as, as much as I like her. But yeah, she's, she's um, on her way to some penal colony really isn't she yeah yeah and she's broken out she's broken out by um k2so 
and they've broken it. They've broken it out. Beca- broken her out because of who she is, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. So, and it's nice. It's nice to um, <clears throat> to go back to Yavin and see. That it's really nice how they recreated that whole. Oh yeah, I mean it could have been shot at the same time, <clears throat> yeah. didn't it? Uh, had and, we not known. Yeah, and the uh, the the lady playing Mum Mothma. Yeah, she's reprising looks, her role, Genevieve O'Reilly. She's in yeah, episode three. That's yeah. it. She's in episode three, but she looks exactly like Mom Mothma from Return of the Jedi. She does and until amazing. You, it's really weird because if you put them right next to each other, and I have looked at this before, they don't actually look that much alike. Mm. But if they're not next to each other, you can get them confused. It's really weird. You're absolutely right. I, I thought they de-aged her to start with. And then I realised, actually, no, they, they cast a new actress in episode three. Mm. But I genuinely thought it was the version from Return of the Jedi. But when you look them up, they don't actually look as alike as you would think. Yeah. But it's really, yeah, but they've just captured it so well here. And um, so she's interrogated and told that he's given this message to her. Uh, a cargo pilot called Bodhi. Um, so Riz Ahmed's character. Yeah. And they want their her they want to well basically use her to find the mess get the message from Saw Guerrera, yeah. who is um, so basically the childhood friend. He's basically a paramilitary leader. Yeah. It, it's it's akin to like the Irish para- paramilitaries, that sort of yeah. thing. Very, very morally dubious. Yeah. Not their cause, but how far he would go in pursuit of that cause. Yeah. And Jimmy Smith has had a really tough paper round since the last film. <laughs> it's he, looks, he looks even more tired. Uh, it's makeup, obviously, because he's got to look. He, they've got to age him 20 years in like the 10 years since he was last in it. Yeah. Mm. But he really does look a lot older, and he looks like he hasn't slept in a couple of years. I'm I'm kind of sad we don't see him more. Uh, not so am I. I was hoping he. I thought we would. Yeah, not necessarily in, in this film. I mean, that would have been nice, but um, I'd, I'd love to see more of him as that character. Me too. Because I think he's he was really good in in, in the films he's been. We could do with a bit of a spin-off. Yeah. And there's another guy. I don't know. What? <laughs> it's his turn doing the bottle feeding. <laughs> the movie. Von Bell, your turn. Baby's okay. day out on Alderaan. <laughs> Run- <laughs> that's a crossover. Him running around while Princess Leia is kind of out Getting in the city. Getting into hijinks. And there's yeah, another very, guy. Very early years. This, is this other guy who basically looks straight out of the 70s. Like you would have probably would have, he looks like you would have seen him in episodes of Sweeney and the Professionals and stuff like that. Who's basically, the, uh, he looks like a porn star who they forced a haircut upon. <laughs> it's the moustache though, isn't it? Or am I thinking of the pilot guy? It's I'm thinking of the, the pilot guy. No, I'm, think, I'm thinking of this other guy. The one who gives the order to kill. Yes, I don't know what you mean now. The, next to uh, Mom Mothra. To kill Janessa, yeah, yeah, the one who's who's a bit kind of obviously distrustful of uh, of Jin yeah. in those scenes. It's hair's a little bit party at the back. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. She is sent off with Cassian oh. and K two to uh, go and meet Saw Gerrera and find out what's yeah. going. Yeah. And where they head off to is a little bit. It's very slightly kind of 
I don't know, a bit table mountain. Yeah, yeah. It's got it's it's kind of table mountain with a far eastern city on the top of it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, a middle eastern city on the top of it. I meant exactly. Yeah. Or, or even North African, I suppose. Actually, thinking about it, it could be Moroccan or Tunisian or something like that. I guess I don't know. Where where do you get what what sense of influence do you get from the the, uh, the Israel? The, there's the a place in Israel called Masada. Okay. Which is like a really old kind of fortification. And um, this literally is, it's like a, a place on top of a rock. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's least, yeah. very likely that, um, yeah, very, very likely that this is, is probably going to be a, uh, a direct influence. And of course it's called Jeddah. Yeah. Where did I come from? Uh, well, no, there's a Jeddah in this. I know, this. I'm joking, don't worry. <laughs> I know, I know in, in the film you've got J-E-D-A-H and then oh, H-A even and then obviously in there we've got is it J-E-D-D-A-H? Uh, well, well Jeddah in real life is J-E-D-D-A-H Yeah <laughs> I was only joking by the way Which is Saudi Arabia Yeah um, But I felt I thought this was quite a nice little expansion of the uh, of the world Yeah it, this, and, was, um, this was cool oh, yeah. The oh yeah you've just heard listeners is Charlie just sent us an image of, of what he was talking about Um Kind of, you know, much more ancient, but very, very much in the same environment. It's interesting to see the Star Destroyer so low, but kind of like a clear sign of occupation. Yeah, um, things like V sprung to mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, what they're what they're apparently doing there is is mining um, kyber. kyber crystals. Now, kyber crystals are what power um, lightsabers, aren't they? Yeah. Or just for Darth Vader. <laughs> well, I think the I think the the, the the laser in the Death Star is yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's it's to power the Death Star. Yeah, but there's, oh, okay, there's yeah. clearly there's, so there's clearly a quite but there's clearly quite a, a religious kind of thing here with the Jedi, and I'm guessing they're I don't know if they're, if they're taking it from an actual temple or um, exactly where they're taking it from, but we see. Them. I thought it was kind of a mining arrangement, actually, yeah. but I might be completely wrong. But yes, that that they are, they are uh, pillaging that area because kyber crystals are, are worth something. Mm. So they're they're kind of raping it of whatever wealth it does have. Yeah, and we find out very shortly that is kind of like a a church of the right. uh, of, of the force. So where, where do we start in terms of what they do when they get there? We get a bit of humour from K2SO. Yeah, yeah. Really? Because obviously you saw, I saw publicity stills and so on of this character. And of course, after we'd had BB-8, he was so cute and so cool. I thought, I, I don't like the look of that. And it works immediately, doesn't he? K2SO is yes, great. Yeah. Really funny. Really, everything he says is brilliant. Um, there's a little, there's a little bit, there is a little bit of C-3PO in this character. There's a bit of Crichton in this character. There's a... <laughs> Lots of different <laughs> things in this, but um, I get a little bit of um, Marvin the paranoid. Is I it was Marvin? just yeah, about Mar- to say, yeah, definitely Marvin as well. Very as cynical. soon as you said I get a bit of, yeah, there's a hint of depression about it. <laughs> I, you know, I think it is. I think there's just a little bit that this line is like, oh, "What do I know? I'm just a yeah." But it, it, there's that kind of. I'm just a droid with a brain the size of a planet. What do I know? It's, it's like if if C-3PO was more aware of his job and was fed up with his job. Yeah, it's a jaded C three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Without yeah. the same protocols as in 
yeah. um, service and, and needing to please. It, it's That's why I say sort of Crichton, that they taught Crichton in Red Dwarf to break his programming. So this is a droid that like says what he wants. Mm. I'll just say whatever I like. He doesn't go to doesn't mean to, Doesn't mean to sort of um, offend anybody. Yeah, it, it's a really cool character. And he, everything he says is really, really funny. Yeah, yeah. And T- Tudyk's voice is brilliant. Yeah, because it can be nicely explained by the fact that he's a, a imperial droid that's been like reprogrammed. So it's like might be a thing of like being reprogrammed that he has kind of no filter and just says what he wants and comes across as like really sarcastic. Yeah, it's a bit of a botched, not botched as in got wrong, but it's a bit of a sort of improvised process, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting them to work. For you. It works anyway. And then we meet Zatoichi. Oh, yes. Donnie Yen. I think he's the best thing in this. He's amazing. I just took I mentioned him in the credits, but I, oh, oh my god, he's amazing. Oh my god, it's such a coup to have Donnie Yen in this film. Are um, you a Donnie Yen fan, Becca? I was, which is like the kind of like old Asian martial arts kind of jobby. Only because I just got into it very recently. I'm not like a nerd or geek or anything like that. Like 20 minutes he's, before we started recording. <laughs> just think he's amazing. <laughs> Oh, no, it, who was it? Uh, there was there's a rumor, wasn't it? It was between Donnie Yen and Jet Li. Jet Li, that was it. It was somebody like that. Oh, okay. yeah. And uh, I think Donnie Yen proved to be the cheaper option, but he gets you know not way cheap. But I think it was in terms of like ten million compared to twenty million or something like that. But it's just like such a coup to have Donnie Yen in this movie because he is amazing and does kick-ass moves. I actually think he gives one of the, um, with the with, in my. The amount of um, screen time he actually has and lines up, I think he actually gives a really strong performance. He's very, very sweet, sweet-natured, um, and given, and given like the, the amount of maybe time his character has, I, I, he does really well with it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love, I love the relationship. Yeah, um, he has with with Chen Wen, the kind of the skeptical one and the religious one. Of of these 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 yeah. guys that are... I called him Zatoichi because obviously Zatoichi was the blind yeah. artist from a series of films. It's not meant as an insult to it. I think that's perfect. Oh, no, the, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's where he draws inspiration but from. Wasn't it? Because that was that was Donnie Yen's whole idea to have his character blind as well. Yeah, without doubt, that's where the idea comes from. I'm sure. But he's basically a force sensitive martial artist. His interpretation of the force or his manifesting of the force is not the same as a Jedi. Now, it has a lot of the same effects because he sees things before they happen and he can dodge laser fire and all that kind of thing. So it's not that different, but it's nice to have variation. And I think that was probably one of my favourite things about this film, that if you're going to broaden out this universe, you don't want to get rid of the force, but you can't just have everyone switching on lightsabers in every film you do. Well, if, that's it if you expand it out. And I thought this was a really intelligent way to do that. Mm, I've read it as kind of like someone who, I mean, you might have a point in terms of like his his ability uh, for being blind, but I I kind of read it as someone who just really believed in the Force and respected the Force. You know, sort of like, I don't have to be Force-sensitive to to appreciate it and, and let it be my guide, you know. But his, kind of... his, his, awareness, his spatial awareness, his awareness of, of his surroundings told me he's Force-sensitive. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's not blind, maybe he's just a lying bastard. Well, that, funnily enough, the, <laughs> end of the, 2000, the end of the 2003 Zatoichi film was exactly that. He wasn't fucking blind. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's all just a uh, con. Just make... 
I, I like these two. Of course, it didn't even occur to me, but it, what, it has been suggested they're a couple. Uh, and, and they could be. I, I, don't, be lovely, yeah. I, I, I don't think they are. I mean, I think... I, I see what you mean. I think they kind of work in the similar, similar situations that couples do in terms of, like, they complement each other. Because I think... I well, think like I... I, I yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, think yeah. Um, it, it, it comes to... Special, I mean, we're jumping right ahead, but basically when he dies at the at the beginning and he's like, there's a really sense of, like, loss. There's, like... You really get the sense that he completed him somehow because um, I forget the character's name. The guy with the big gun. Base. Uh, yeah. Um, he's kind of always kind of like cynical about, oh, you know, on about the bullying force kind of thing. But I think he kind of like needed his optimism to match his cynicism. So without Absolutely, his optimism, yeah. he feels kind of lost. So I think from that aspect, they're just two people just like kind of hang around together because they kind of complete each other in some sort of weird weird way. That's how I read it. Yeah, kind of almost no, kind of like, like as brothers, you know. Yeah, we, we're getting evidence of suicide bombings and things like that as well. Yeah. And suicide attacks. Which is, they went there. That kind of surprised me when it happened. They went there. Is it that from um, Forrest Whitaker? Well, his, his group, yeah. 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 So do we want to skip to that then? They're basically taken back to him, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I guess we've missed out where we've skipped a bit ahead from where Bodhi was taken to him. We saw him. Uh, of course, yeah, Bodhi. Oh, See, I struggle. I really struggle with character names, and that again tells me introducing something about my reaction to the film. He's tried to as the pilot that wants to defect, and they uh, hook him up to the mind monster. Oh, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of to figure out if he's genuine. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else. Because again, it, with that and suicide bombing, it is nobody knows who's being genuine and who isn't. That's exactly, kind of yeah. cool. Um, yeah, that was okay. The funny thing about Forrest Whitaker in this film is um, virtually all of his scenes are reshoots, I think, because when you look at, at anything from the earliest trailers, he looked very different. He had, like, you know, a buzz cut and stuff. So I, I think most of his scenes were redone. Yeah, because he had different lines of dialogue as well and things like that in the trailer. And there was, yeah, he had a different look. Now he's not, now he's all like crazy and wacky. So I, I think they probably like completely changed the way his character's portrayed as well. Um, I can take or leave it. I like the idea. I like the idea of a kind of paramilitary within Star Wars in that they're on the side of quote unquote right, but their methods don't justify mm. it. Um, and and that's true of that is true of real life. There are people doing very very bad things for superficially decent causes. So I, I like that. I didn't really bond to this group as such, um, with the exception of Zatoichi uh, and his mate. Uh, again, that says it all. I don't know the names. So they so they're taken to him. The, the Cassian and the the two. Oh yeah, they're locked up. They're uh, yeah they're put they're put in jail next to the pilot and they again they they both have very different responses to seeing him because Baze wants to wants to kill him and uh, but again with the with the kind of forced sensitivity Chirrut is very much kind of wait there's something else kind of going on here yeah we need to find out what's happening and then you have Jin speaking to uh, 
to Saw and, and Saw essentially asking if she's been sent there to kill him. Um, but then he shows her the message, which was from, from Bodhi. Yeah, from um, Galen. Saying uh, what the what the deal really is with the Death Star, and they and they explain like uh, I think it's bugged Star Wars fans, I guess, for years. Yeah, he's designed it with a flaw. He's he's been forced to purpose. work over them. Yeah, yeah, he's done it on purpose. Um, and it's in that message. So it was a very encrypted private message that no one else can see, sort of thing. And of course, they don't believe her because she watches it with him, and then you start the kind of. They t- at the same time we keep cutting back to the Death Star and they test it, don't mm. they? Yeah. Um, so they get out of the area and basically uh, test it before testing it on a planet. They're testing it on small areas, mm. small patches of land, and of course they'll fire on somewhere. But there's like a knock-on effect, just as if like an asteroid hit us or something. And so they've got to they've got to start moving quickly to survive. So of course no one sees that message against Jin. She's had to run before she takes it with her. Saul Guerrero can't um, can't uh, uh, back her up because he's in not good health anyway, so he can't run and is killed in the yeah. And uh, and you have Cassian, who's uh, again his 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 orders are to kill him, so to to assassinate him. So from that, it's kind of finding out where he is. And then going on to this imperial uh, imperial base where he's stationed, uh, which on, under the the cover of oh we're going to go and find him, and then we'll we'll find out exactly how this thing can be destroyed, yeah, um, and proof. But really, they're going to kill him, or Cassian's going to kill him. But you can already see that he's struggling. Yeah. Um, I think they do kind of they do that fairly well I, I can see the, the sort of struggle within him you can kind of tell from the get-go he doesn't really like the order but it's, oh, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's his order so he has to do it but you can tell that he already doesn't he's not enthusiastic about it he's not thinking oh you know I'm, I'm not sure this is a good idea or this is kind of a fucked up order yeah, again, there's, there's kind of like a class thing there as well. Because obviously Dave mentioned it earlier with, with Felicity Jones and um, the kind of Jin's kind of role versus and and who, who Felicity Jones as a person and her kind of middle class, which is kind of nicely kind of reflected for me here with the, the kind of the, the life that Cassian has had. And kind of fighting on the streets since all this early age and this kind of thing, whereas as she's been kind of off with uh, with Sora and what have you, and that kind of is is kind of there with him and his decision on whether or not to to kill her father, really. So let's get to that. So they, do they go? We go straight to that scene. Yeah. Um, well, they, they they kind of fight fly out there. They do a. Um, they, 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 they warp out of there, don't they? Um, and then, yeah, I think they kind of we go straight to... Yeah, they go to Yadu, and, uh, and then he says, I'm going to go and take a look around. Another really nice location. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. Variation. Again, it all looks like Star Wars, but it all looks new and fresh as well, which is yeah. what you try to do. 
it's it's something, and this this is kind of where it's it's very different to the the prequels, um, where you look at episode two with Camino, and then you look at this world, and and just just the rain and the general kind of uh, kind of atmosphere of it all. Yeah. And this feels so much so much more real. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it does, and there's more there as well, yeah. frankly. So yeah, this is this is obviously where they're where he's where Galen is working from. Mm. And uh, but we know that that um, at the same time that they're going there to get to grab him, that Krennic is also on his way there because yeah. he's been told that there's a traitor in their midst. Um, yeah, what well, does he know? The plans are. What does he know? What does Krennic know? Just that. I think so. Yes, so I think he just knows that there's that the, the, um, there's been a leak to the rebellion, um, leaking information. But he, I don't think he knows any more specifics. So he's heading there. Uh, Cassian is there to basically kill him. Jen thinks she's there to rescue him. Yeah, which is a nice setup, really. It is a nice setup because uh, Galen gets as uh, Galen Cassian gets as far as he's about to do it. Yeah, but I think they work out in his absence what he's there to do. Yeah, they sort of yeah. mention the fact that I, I, I forget that there was something else in terms. I think um, what's his name, the blind blind dude. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. He, he, of... he mentions like something about his ma- his manner, and then um, the joy just just says, "Oh, he had his." It, his no, sniper. it tells you he's force sensitive. Yeah. Again, yeah. it's another thing that tells you he's force sensitive. It's like an aura around death. Yeah, yeah, because he says, does, yeah, because when he goes, says, does he does he look like a killer to you? It, it's an aura that, that you can see around someone who's about to kill, or something yeah. like that. So yeah, there's there's no doubt he's force sensitive. So at the same time, she's trying to fight us our way up onto the not fight her way, climb her way up onto the platform uh, where Galen is and where um, Krennic lands mm. in order to like basically give them a hard time on who who is the traitor. Yeah. So I think as Cassian's about to fire, he noticed Jin's there. Yeah, but also you've got there's a squadron of rebel fighters that have just been scrambled. I think because of some some sort of communication error, because the ship's quite badly damaged, isn't it? Because it actually does kind of crash down on the surface. Oh, yeah, they they send help, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So they, and then they end up killing Galen accidentally. Yeah, they mean he. I mean he. He, get, he gets them in in his crossfires. He he's about to, do it, but he sees them actually try to save the lives of his um, scientist staff. Uh, and he's kind of like, oh, you know, uh, he can tell. You know, he he puts it. He decides then he can't do it uh, because he's like he's actually a decent guy. He's not letting these people getting shot unless unless so. But they still get killed anyway because you know. Krennic's a bastard. So, but yeah, that, that was just a nice little sort of character beat where like it's kind of realize, realization that I can't do it because he's a good man. I can't, I can't go through with it. And then everything that kind of happens. Um, but yeah, so the, all the, the the rebel fighters bomb the, the base. Um, yeah, so he has his death scene, doesn't he? And he sort of uh, they they have the moment. Uh, Krennic gets away. I mean, I mean, now we're kind of hurt. Like we're really heading towards the final third of the film. Really, we are. Yeah, because yeah. there's, 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 
there's a big kind of scene in, in the sh- in the shuttle, isn't it, where he mentions that he was supposed to kill him, and he didn't. And I think that's where he kind of talks about his background and that kind of thing. And then there is a bit of a falling out between Cassie and and, uh, and Jin. And then um, Krennic has to go to see Darth Vader. On Mustafa. On Mustafa, yeah. Which is a bit like having a house <laughs> in the middle of the M5 if you've been in a car accident. <laughs> it's like a constant reminder. Of like... But it's, it's a really um, a really nice setup when we, when we first um, see Vader. Because we, we see him in that tank, which is kind of reminiscent of Luke yeah. in Empire. The uh, what, what I presume is a Bacta tank. Bacta tank, yeah. Yeah, and you've got... Um, because I remember seeing that that shot, that shot in the trailer. Because there's two of the Emperor's guards there as well, and uh, I'm being really confused and wondering what that what that actually was. Um, and then Vader's butler. Who is that man? Alfred. He shows some clips of uh, potential people who's going to have to fight. He tells them, "Look at his training. His belief." <laughs> Um, apparently the, the the character is called Vanny, and it's just an old guy dressed up as the Emperor, really. Similar kind brilliant. of get up, and then yeah, so and then and then that really nice shot of of the doors opening and seeing okay. Vader's silhouette. He should have been doing a Bruce Forsyth, shouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that would have looked great. Um, I feel comfortable saying that because Bruce Forsyth's already died. <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, normally when we mention people, they pass away <laughs> or, or get arrested for something. Yeah, I Vader's outfit doesn't look quite right. Now, if you look at the original sort of color timing on the first film, he had like a silvery bridge on his nose, and he did have a slight redness in his eyes. Yeah, I think they've kind of overdone it here slightly. It was Doesn't the first time I noticed right. he, that he had red in his eyes. I made me think, did he always have red in his eyes? I never yeah, noticed. The, in the first in, film. In the first one, yeah. Yeah. And of course, it's all been sort of pissed around with the recolour times anyway. So yeah, doesn't look quite right to me. But then I, I'm quite willing to buy, given he doesn't literally live in that outfit at all times, that he may <laughs> have more than one. You know, he's, there might be slight variations or they get upgraded over time or changed. It's, yeah. it's, it's not that big a deal. Funnily enough, the biggest complaint of this scene, apart from that uh, uh, a line in it that we'll get to, was that James L. Jones isn't sounding good now. He's sounding too old and stuff. Actually, yeah, he just kind of nearly aged himself out. It, it didn't sound any different to me until no. tonight. I, I could hear that it is a touch lower. I think he still sounds fine, personally. Can but I ask a silly question? The properties of the back of the tank can it is it preservation or can it cure or like restore? It, it's a kind of a healing liquid. Okay. Yeah. It's so kind of, it's almost like plastic surgery. But in liquid form, yeah, I did think so. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, but, but, but then he's he's different. His voice is different in Star Wars than it is in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Because he hasn't found the character. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's different. So it, it's a bit more metallic. It still sounds um, menacing, though. In I think Star it's actually Wars. more petulant in Star Wars than it is yeah. later on. Take her away! Um, Take her away! Well, yeah. I, I, it's, yeah, it's angrier somehow as well. But I, I yeah. do think I could hear it tonight, but I've seen this film a good few times now and I haven't heard it before. And it's not dramatically bad. It's not like when Sean Connery did that Bond video game oh, and sounded decades older. 
He was way it, too it, old for that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, it was, it was to be like a, from Russia with Love in the 60s. But he, he, like, he'd, have, he'd have throat nodules and all sorts by then. Mm. James Earl Jones still sounds fine, and it's a process voice anyway. But I could tell tonight it's a touch lower. But that's all. He, he could, as long as he's fit and well, I think he can still do it. Yeah, <laughs> the line to Krennic, because he chokes Krennic at one point and Both says, choke. don't, don't, yeah. don't choke on your aspiration. Because Krennic's on about, you know, tell the Emperor what a great job I'm doing, effectively. Yeah, I'll um, still be promoted, won't I? You know, I'll still be in command. Yeah. It's like, don't choke on your aspirations, director. But Basically, so because he of... wants to be um, uh, Peter Cushing. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty much. Which, we, we, you know... we, we were discussing this line off air. Um, but I think it's quite good, obviously, Chris, because you're coming from the medical background. Um, and obviously, you know, I suppose <laughs> yes, that's the approach it takes to war podcasts. <laughs> Medicine. But no, obviously, like, you know, if you ask Rachel, it, it does have that double meaning of, you know, what you aspire to be, what, what your ambitions are. And also, um, in terms of, like, you know, the aspirate, you, you choke. So yeah. you've got a double double meaning there. And for me, it kind of, like, it, 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 the joke really doesn't work when you think about it. It's just like, you know, you kind of just doubled up on yourself and it's kind of, it doesn't really work for me. I don't think it's a joke. I think there's an element of a play on words there, but it's no more yeah. a joke I than... Apology accepted in yeah. Empire. I'd, I'd literally never heard of aspiration being used in a medical term until now. Well, I mean, it is, but I don't think that's what the writers meant. I no, think no, they I'm, just, I'm just they, oh, they, no, they, no, they did. I think they, they'd actually said like, "Oh, it's kind of funny sort of pun." Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, I've never heard of that. Right. Um, like some some people might say it is a little bit crass just because of like you know he could do the force choke. He's like, you know, make sure it doesn't choke on your aspiration sort of thing. But I think. Is we, we can play on words. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think it's intentional here, but um, I remember sort of thinking, you know, it was a little bit cheesy at the time and it was a bit of a groaner. Um, but it was like, oh, really? You know, when I saw it in the cinema. It's but then really obviously, obviously, having seen all the films again, you know, it's, yeah. it's okay. It's fine. I, I, thought, it, I thought it was great. I, thought it was I, great. I, I didn't hear it that way at all. I heard it exactly like Apology Accepted. Yeah, like that, exactly. The, yeah. I think that, it's, it's that, a good line. That's the tone of the line. It's well, not. The Emperor is not, not as had forgiving he, as I am. Had those doors opened and he'd been doing the Bruce Forsyth pose, <laughs> then, I, then I might have thought, yeah, he wants to be a stand up comic. He's probably, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's the idea of him trying to, like, thinking of puns like, all the time. Like, oh, I've got a good one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd I, I, I tell you what, I think, had he just said, be careful of your aspirations. That's fine. That's like a decent joke as well. I mean, that, that could be. You could like for the people who, who wouldn't have got it, it would have just gone like, "Oh, that's fine." It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have they wouldn't have noticed. Uh, and the people who did would have gone, "Ah, oh, see what he did there." So um, I, I, I myself think that's probably a better line. You know, if you're going to do. But I, I, I think my point is, I've never looked at it as a line as yeah. such. Apology accepted wasn't like now look at the camera and see if everyone's laughing at it. I think it was just something to say. Yeah, it, there's an element of kiss off to it, but it's not. It's not Roger Moore with a raised eyebrow. It isn't. I, there is. I will say this: the thing with like apology accepted is done kind of like matter of fact. You know, it isn't lingered on. Whereas here, it kind of like there's a bit of a stamp on it because you know it's the way the it's presented. You know, the way it's filmed. It's kind of like da 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 almost. Whereas like apology acceptance is just kind of like casual. It's the same way because we know from the moment it's set up, from the moment he says, I'll apologise personally to Lord Vader, it's set up that that dude is going to die. And especially since he's already been choking people in that film already. 
Um, but I, I think that's kind of that's set up for that anyway. But um, I don't know. I, I I've got no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah. I, I think you've explained it well. I think I get. I think I'm getting what you're saying entirely. But I didn't even conceive of a problem on two theatrical viewings until I read a review or something and some conversation on social media that came after I'd seen it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, people think that's like a shit comedy line or something. And I, I just never saw it that way. To be fair, I am speaking on behalf of the people who may have an issue with it. Personally, I couldn't care less, but, you know. I actually like the scene. I think he's quite good. Mm. The only, the, the, literally the only thing that jarred was uh, I didn't think his outfit looked quite right. That's all. But yeah. Even that wasn't major, but it was like, yeah, they haven't quite got that right. And it pissed me off very slightly because it was the first decent look at him and they didn't get him right in episode three either uh, because they made his fucking helmet completely symmetrical, which it isn't. And I just think, well, how hard can it be? How hard can it be to like, you know, copy one of the most... You know, the look of one of the most famous cinema characters of all time. Particularly when you've probably still got the original friggin' outfit. <laughs> copy copy that. Just po- or, just give it a or, polish. Or, just or the polish po- that one. You know, so I, I can't believe they keep getting it so wrong, but so wrong, I don't mean by degree of how wrong it is, but how often they're just getting it slightly wrong. It's like it's not that difficult. But um in this one I think the helmet's too like short as well. It, it it's not it isn't quite right, but yeah, my, the least of my problems was was his uh, stand up comedy. <laughs> but yeah, why would you live on Mustafa? Go and live somewhere with plenty of water once you've caught fire. He should he should be on Scarif. What pick up a tan? Yeah, just speedo and <laughs> the helmet. <laughs> yeah, I think we gather by now. Krennic is not going to be punished anymore, but. He's now stormed out of there desperate to prove himself because Vader's humiliated him very slightly there. Yeah, don't we have the the kind of the last third really starts now, doesn't it? Yeah, well they they go back to um to Yavin um and uh they tell everyone about the Death Star. There's this fucking Death Star I'm just improvising what that might have gone like. The bits we, <laughs> the bits we didn't hear. There's a Death Star. Um, and uh, and basically everyone, <laughs> most of the rebellion turn around and say, "No, nope. that." <laughs> Look, it's brave, like, nope, nope. Uh, brave, aren't they? I I think this is the, this is the end. We have to call it quits now, pretty much. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed in how much the rebellions are kind of, kind of... not rebellious. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, rebellious, are really? There's like an not... alternate universe where they all got jobs as fucking milkmen or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well. Well, I think part part of it is. I mean, like, yeah, to to a degree, I don't understand why they didn't just do what Jin does and just like and send like a small band of troops to kind of like attempt. And if it is a trap or 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 something, you got minimum damage. That's the ones you don't like. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you send send all the screw ups, don't you? Uh, yeah, but basically we get a version of Rogue One where they're all really fucking ugly and smell a bit. <laughs> the best, the best thing about this scene is, um, it's got a, it's got Jimmy Smith, and b, we get a uh, another Admiral Akbar type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is he Calamari. CGI or no? He's um, prosthetic Akbar. I, I did wonder if that actually was him, but younger version. <laughs> the actor died. 
few months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he passed away so, recently, very sad. Admiral Radus. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, he was really cool, and he was he didn't like, go. It was a trap. Quite gruff. He was up for it. He was up yeah. for a fight, wasn't he? <laughs> he was up for it. <laughs> he was up for it. <laughs> but he, he couldn't get any because he looked like a big fish. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, was, it was quite nice how. Like, you know, like with lobsters, occasionally there's like blue lobsters yeah. and things like that. So different colour forms and things. Yeah. That was quite cool. Yeah, that was really cool. And he was um, a good character. Uh, I, I'm sure there were complaints at the time that like he was a pale copy of Akbar, but it's like, we, you're not just going to get one of each species. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but so yeah. They can actually afford <laughs> but to, uh... it, it does seem to be like every time there's like a space battle, there's an Akbar type person. Just, just yeah. hanging around as well. <laughs> but yeah, they they seem to be kind of like, oh, can we trust this source? Is this real? Uh, it could be a trap. Um, also, if it is real, it could be too risky. You might be better off just like disappearing and surviving, really, because this this seems like too busy. So there's a lot of question marks. A lot of people kind of worried and scared. So. And so they they fail to convince everyone uh, the the rebellion to do a strike because it is like no we need need to act now, um, which is kind of like a missed opportunity really because in the in the trailer they have the line of like um, you know this this is rebellion isn't it? I rebel. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which I which is kind of like it's a good line. I'm kind of it seems like a missed opportunity not to use that because it's such a like a good good idea to have it in at least somewhere in this film wherever she's raveling the troops like saying come on let's rebel let's yeah because i mean from the trailers that that line would have been used at the beginning yeah um but i mean yeah i mean the, the characters kind of i think has changed a bit since the early days um because i mean originally she was a she was a rebel officer oh was that um, originally what it was going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, and of course, you... once once Felicity Jones comes on board, they think, "Well, this woman screams prison." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Escalated quickly. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> yeah, you can um, you can you can there's there's toys that you can buy and stuff like figures of um <laughs> Felicity Jones and um. They still, they some of them say like Sergeant Jin Erso, right? So like where she had her her rebel alliance rank, but so basically yeah, she felt they they don't listen, but then some of them just do decide to do it anyway. Yeah, loads and, of people uh, we've not seen as well, just because we need some bodies. Yeah, <laughs> so, thank God, uh, extra number four's in. Yeah, um, but, but <laughs> Mon Mothma is collateral damage four, number four. Yeah. So, so Mon Mothma and, and Bail Organa decide to uh, help out. There's a little allusion to Leia. Yeah, he's got some line. And Obi Wan as well. Yeah, because basically. Yeah, cause, oh yes. Um, yeah, yeah, this is it. So, through, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this this is kind of like yeah the the uh, origin of the uh, of that message. Yeah, they've got to get they've got to get um, they've got to get that's right. Yeah, they've got to get through to his contact. Yeah. And his contact, you know, yeah, I got it. So that is the origin of that message. You're absolutely right. Yeah, which is and quite nice, understated. Yeah, remember about Leia? And yeah, the exactly. Message? Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, we must get the message to Kenobi. He's our only hope. Yes. <laughs> um, so they steal the shuttle, 
But just before that, kind of Jin and uh, and Cassie and kiss and make up. And uh, again, again, there's kind of a, a little thing about this side of the rebellion and how they've, where they say they've all done things they're they're not proud of. Yeah. So these are people that have stolen, that have killed, that have the done all sorts things of, in the name of the rebellion. murky things. Um, Luke did farming. I wouldn't have fancied that, to be honest. Moisture <laughs> <laughs> farming of all things. I know. Um, and uh, and they all come together and uh, decide to go to go the Maldives. <laughs> yeah, exactly, go to the Maldives for a lovely holiday. I know. And Death Star lurking in the corner. A destination to die for. <laughs> Very clever. There we go. That's a bit there's close the, to yeah. there's a name to kill, die for. I'm Mr. Kill, there's a name to die for. The Empire's oh, video sake. library is uh, is on Scarif. Yeah. They, they basically they've got they've got to go there to the kind of imperial archives to get mm. the plans <laughs> there. They've been stored in there. Um there's a drop reference earlier as to what he calls her. Is it Stardust? Stardust, Stardust yeah. That, yeah. So and that's, that's yeah, that that's comes what up. Calls it, no. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes up shortly. Um so they get to the planet, they 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 get and again it's a little bit of the return of the Jedi where they get through the shield with a with a code. Yeah, and, uh, with with Bodhi being the ex Imperial pilot, and then they dress up. And, uh, <laughs> I've come as the Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Wonder Woman? <laughs> it is a bad time to be Jimmy Savile. <laughs> and then they uh, and and K two has to pretend to be an Imperial robot again. Well, he looks just like one. Well, yeah, exactly. He's still got the. Uh, but it's yeah. quite funny the way the way he when he passes that one in Canary Wharf, and um, the, uh, the he's slouching, and he's he's got a very different kind of. They they they've yeah his whole games. body language has changed. Yeah, yeah. to the other Imperial robots he sees, and uh, yeah, they did a quite a good job on Canary Wharf. They did, yeah, they really really did. Yeah. Um, and that uh, so it's again it's it's kind of. Going back to Star Wars, we're seeing all these stormtroopers around the Death Star um, or, or around Imperial installations uh, and this kind of thing. Yeah, so I mean, it's difficult. Plan- the planet is covered by a shield that's got like a small gap in it, which was what Charlie's just mentioned to. Or it's got a, a, a gate, effectively. Gate, the shield gate, yeah. Um, um, so it's, it's high security to get in. And once you're in, it's even higher security. So, yeah, this is, this is a very, very well-guarded... uh, installation and you've got basically what ends up being about half a dozen people trying to breach it yeah it's it's kind of cool although they uh, do they do do get some help from some 1970s stock footage though yes exactly yeah so yeah so um admiral radis don't don't they don't they say it just happens to be on the way to tatooine or what have you that's handy yeah so uh yeah, so they send the they send the rebel fleet uh, off as well, and it's quite a nice little moment because you see all the uh, all the guys getting into their X wings, and yeah. uh, again, it's it's the kind of thing that that we all love about Star Wars, and again, it's a kind of aspirational thing, yeah, and the kind of and then the little oh, are you choking on something or. <laughs> Oh, sorry, the other one. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the other, I mean, the other meaning. Sorry. 
<laughs> the less famous so, I'll still be, I'll, I'll, yeah, I can't get out of my medieval head, sorry. Yeah, because you're just a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you come at it from a medical perspective. Well, I, I meant from, you know, obviously, because you're, you're not Dr. Christus yet, but from your, you know, being carried, obviously, you're nursing degree and everything. Chris was just about to do some I was gonna, uh, Yeah, just before I get inundated on Twitter, just a bunch of, like, health problems. Chris, I have... <laughs> you're not a doctor. <laughs> I've you know got this thing right here. Could you have a look, please? Which which you mean after frankly look everything up on Google and then and then realizing why aren't they just looking up on Google? <laughs> and there's a little cameo of uh, of three PO and uh, R two. Yes, there um, is. Which is nice. Again, the, it's 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 nice that they don't throw people from the from previous films into this like just for just for the point of it. Um, it would have been very easy for them to have someone like Biggs or someone like that as one of the main characters. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's nice that they, that they the, didn't the do that. The final so. act of this film is actually pitch perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, mean it, it, it gets an extra star just for that bit with uh, when they collide the two Star Destroyers together. Yeah. And I just thought, okay, I've not seen that before. Yeah, that that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. So they have. So you have the Rebel fleet arriving, trying to get the shield gate down, and you have them on the ground. Trying to get the tapes, finding out the tape. The uh, they need to um, get it together from the from the ground to connect it up. A bit of Back to the Future in it, um, where they where Bodhi and and what have you have to connect up the Wi-Fi. That's so more that, or less it. They've got to get a signal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, that's, it really reminds me of, of that of, of Doc Brown trying to connect up. The yeah, thing, when they the talk cable. about you know. Uh, uploading yeah. it and all the rest of it, you think well, you couldn't actually have made this film in 1977 because the, a lot of these terms just didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. But the gist is they've got to get the plans transmitted as yeah. opposed to uh, if this had been 1977, they'd have had to get like the tape it was on back or something. Yeah. Well, like they did, they had to put it in the droid. Whereas now they they obviously can. It's yeah. a slight retrofit that they can transmit it. Yeah. So but, they've got to get the trans. They've got to get the tape. They've got to get the transmitter working. And the gate open so they can and, get the transmission. And the gate through. open, which is half of what the sort of uh, Rebel Alliance are doing. They're trying to force. Yeah. So that you've gate, got that gate to be broken. So you've got several squadrons. Um, you've got Blue Squadron who managed to get through the gate before it closes, yeah. so they can help out down on the uh, on the ground. And then you've got. Um, Old the old guys from the original Star Wars very cleverly put in the red leader and gold leader. Can't do footage, unused takes, unused footage. That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, um, the yeah, guy really gold leader uh, Angus McKins is still alive, so he was able to do his lines. Um, so, but the other guy Drew Henley was just yeah, the unused unused footage and stuff like that. And it's quite it's quite nice that they you you see someone called Red Five and then he's destroyed. Yes, Luke will be red fire. Yeah, so they open it up for Luke. Yeah, so he's um, right. There's a vacancy. At <laughs> <laughs> the start of Star Wars, been... he, he's looking in the Tatooine examiner job section. <laughs> Wanted a fifth red. Wanted red five. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know if, if it was mentioned in the, the in the original Star Wars, it was supposed to be blue five. But because of all the blue screen stuff, they had to change it to red. Um, so again, that's a nice callback that they've got blue squadron here. Yeah. Um, and then you have all kind of 
cool, really, really cool space action. This is um, the best space action since Return of the Jedi. Uh, since Return of the Jedi. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And then he the, uh, He's thrown more, you know, George threw more money at it and more yeah. uh, technology at it, but in terms of, like, cam- camera virtual, virtual camera work, obviously. Yeah. In terms of all of that, it's, it's the first time it's showed any great invention for a long time. Yeah. And, um, and also there's kind of pre-attacks down on the surface as well. Yeah. Um, cause, yeah and, um, and it's, it's quite funny because there's that, um, that shot in the trailer of, of him firing the, uh, the rocket launcher uh, against the attack and thinking, oh, that's never going to work. Yeah. And the fact that that was actually played off as a joke was quite, was, was quite well done. Um, Just pitch and, perfect, and it's cutting between all the different threads perfectly because you've got Jin and Cassian yeah. doing what they need to do, and you've got the rest of their crew doing what they need to do on the surface. You've got the Rebel Alliance trying to get the um, the, the basically the gate open, and you've got um, people on the ships trying to actually fucking um, uh, wait, uh, hoping something's going to come into them. Yeah, it's um, it's really good. Well, we're all yes. hoping for that, Dave. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's something about just how, like, it sounds like such a little thing, but the idea of, you know, the file's too big to send up, we're going to have to do it this way. Just just something is a little bit that just feels like, yeah, that's kind of the reality. We all have to deal with, like, technology stuff that's just like, oh, fuck's sake, the file's too big. Uh, We need to do it this way. Or, you know, it's things like that just make it feel a little bit more, yeah, that's real world problems that. If it's the way most of us work, it, they should have like not been asked to find it and then just quickly drawn something and gone they are. <laughs> <laughs> Looks a bit like that. And uh, yeah, and, and as Chris was saying earlier about the um, the scene where they actually where they managed to just to get the gate sorted out, where so it's again it's a kind of a callback to um, to Empire Strikes Back, where they have the Iron Cannon on Hoth. Which is the uh, yeah, so the the, the the weapon that basically just is, does an EM, what's now called an EMP, or what is widely known as. So they they knock out this star destroyer's engine, and it's just like floating there, and then get this smaller little ship to kind of just push it into another one, and just the sheer. It's a lovely moment as well. Really well done. It's one of those moments where it just kind of. The music takes over and everything goes, it goes quiet, and then and you see the ships collide and then go down into the shield gate, and it's kind of like hope, really. And she gets up to the uh, that uh, platform thing. Well, we don't see a Tie Fighter. Yeah, yeah. Did it get what was promised in the trailer? I mean, if you look at the shot, she's kind of like unflinching, walking towards it. So it does make me think that it might. That it probably was just something they just put in, uh, rather than actually there's something they they actually designed to, because it's just, yeah 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 because there's no like whoa shit tie fire even she was like expecting it still I think it's just her walking towards the yeah. uh, the platform and like Dave mentioned earlier her nickname Stardust or name her dad gave her is this the code name of the uh, the plans in the Imperial Archive. So, yeah, in the next film, they've got to make do with an Alvin Stardust album. <laughs> uh, and it's like, well, <laughs> it's like, oh, right. 
shit. We could have seen that. We should have been. You should have known that would have been a problem. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, and then, but the Death Star is is fires in the meantime as well. Yeah, Krennic pops up for one last go at the whole thing, but again, he doesn't watch behind and, and um, Cassian pops up to shoot him. And that, it's nice that he sees. He doesn't. He doesn't like immediately die. He sees that the Death Star is there, and he's going to die. Yeah, essentially by his own hand. It's 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 also kind of like he he, he gets caught directly in it as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's not just like he, he just gets blown up with like everyone else does. He like he actually gets shot through, <laughs> which is kind of like oh fucking hell. And um and then yeah, it's kind of by this point everyone's dying or dead. Bodhi's dead, Bays and uh Chirrut are dead, um K two's dead, um and uh and Jin and uh Cassian kind of realise that they're not gonna get off the planet in time. Yeah, he doesn't even leverage it for a hand job. <laughs> they just have a they just hold hands and die. But it's quite yeah. nicely done. It's a lovely shot. Yeah, it's, it's, and again, it's, it's nice that they didn't push a romantic thing on it. No, they didn't. I didn't genuinely want a no, hand job there. That would have been fucking weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just, just a noisy yeah. hand. She'd have to be uh, quick. How long do you think we've got? Two minutes? Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so they get, the, uh, they get the data they need. They download yep. it onto whatever they need to, like a, a disc or whatever it is that needs to go into the R2 unit. Uh, and they basically need to get it onto the Tantive Four, don't they? Which yeah. is within the, the ship. Uh, and as they're about to do that, darkness. Yeah. Well, well, then, because yeah, because um, Darth Vader kind of comes out of nowhere with his well, hyperspace with his Star Destroyer, and um, decides to board the uh, the main ship. So, so I guess. In that way, the kind of the Tanti Four kind of acts as a uh, escape ship from there. Um, but you see <coughs> Darth Vader. This also drew a lot of complaints because they were just saying, "Well, he's a broken down old man in Episode Four, and I'm thinking, well, he's not really. I don't know where no. you getting that from, but um, this is really cool. Uh, you, yeah, you know, even if there were uh, huge continuity errors." It looks amazing. I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. to be honest, when I first saw it, I did think, "Oh my god, this is just fan service, really." But um, that, that was my first reaction. But now I'm kind of thinking, "Yeah, but you know what? It's actually nice to actually see Darth Vader at his peak." You know, you know, to his see peak, his peak in the suit, if you like. Yeah, yeah, kind of like you know to see what people actually fear from. You know, it's like in proper action. And just see him kicking ass, and you can just see like the fear of those guys when they just like everything goes black, and you see the lightsaber go up. You go, oh fuck! And they're trying, bless them. You know what I yeah. mean? They're still sort of going at him, and yeah. it's futile. And at the same time, the sort of disc is going in the other direction down the corridor, and it's got a real feel of desperation. Mm. You know, it gets it gets handed through a close, an almost completely closed door at the end. It's it's yeah, great. I mean, it's so well <laughs> shot. The guy that hands it gets a lightsaber through the chest as well. Yeah, the last thing you see before you leg it with that. And then it's him looking out, you know, the well, into open space. Yeah. It's great. It really and is. it flies off. And 
I mean, it could be anything from hours to days to maybe a few weeks. But the next time they catch up with that ship is episode four. Yeah. So it's, it's a really nice place to leave it. And then you get Princess Leia and whatever your mileage is on that. Um, I wish we'd just seen it from behind. I, I wish we'd just been aware that was Princess Leia in there. Yeah. The door, the door closes and that's it. But there you go. It's not a huge problem. Then it's pretty much credits, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you know the rest of the story. Yeah, I mean, as, as spin-offs go, it, it's the sort of thing that I think they could do very well over the next few years. You know, mix it up a little bit, the odd character story, the odd sort of story story, if you like. Mm. Um, what, do, what do we reckon, I, though? Do we think, I mean, do we need to know all about Han Solo, how he became no, Han Solo? Do we no, need to know about how... Uh, no, I mean, that, that's sort of where I'm going with my final thoughts here, that I think that yeah. I, I don't really need every bit filled in but if you're going to go at something from a slightly different angle afforded by the fact that you're going to do non-saga films this ain't a bad idea it could have been a number of different things it could have been a much more Ocean's Eleven film, Dirty Dozen film, it could have been any number of different things as it as it goes um, in its story beats it's really well done it connects really well it's got a great act three and so few films I, I cover have a great act three from my perspective I think the character work is kind of weak I think the film is kind of miscast but it looks great it sounds good I don't actually like the main theme but I like the rest of the score because the rest of the main theme sounds like kind of a parody of Star Wars, but he was called in at the last minute. But like the score in general, many, many times through it, I was thinking, I like this, this is really mm. good. They shoot in lots of interesting locations we haven't seen before, but still feel kind of Star Wars. The dialogue's good. Most of it's good. Most of it's really good. I just wish I'd come out thinking, not thinking what they called again, about virtually everybody. Because it could have been, been so much better had you'd... Had the characters worked a bit more better if you'd grown they more attached to him? They did how really more... resonate with me particularly. But having said that, you know, K2SO was, was funny and, and played a really good part. Felicity Jones is really good in it. I think she's miscast, but she's good. And, uh, you know, the idea of, of paramilitaries and stuff like that in the Star Wars universe, which which does muddy the waters on, on what's good and what isn't. So on balance, it's it's behind The Force Awakens for me. It's got a bit more originality in it than The Force Awakens in a lot of ways, but I, I, I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as much. But yeah, a solid. I think I think that's what's what I like about these, this film and potentially the, the, the other films they're going to do is Star Wars as as a set of films, the, the main films. There's a very set tone to them. In, in terms of genre as well, that um, that, ha- that that has to be adhered to. That uh, so with these spin-off films, there are a lot more different genres and approaches that they can take. Like this film, which is which is sensibly a, a war film, um, and you guess the the Han Solo film is going to be a lot more of a caper um, and things like that, um, and. It's just kind of nice opportunities to just show a bit more while just yeah, it's giving us different things and different approaches so they're not all just like the same kind of saga films we're used to. Yeah, I'm kind of with Dave pretty much. Uh, I, 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 I think it's 
really well made. I think it's actually well directed. I think, to be honest, I think its main problem is probably more down to production. You know, I, I, we can speculate all we want. Uh, we don't actually know what was originally shot, what was originally intended, why, why they, they felt the need to reshoot it. Um, maybe, maybe it turned out it would have been a mess at the end. I don't know, but I think we kind of have something that is compromised, and as a compromised um, piece of work, it you know it's it's not bad at all. And as I said, I think like they've said, the last act is really good. Uh, and generally, when last acts generally tend to just deteriorate and run out of ideas, this kind of like perks up. So yeah, I do think it's mis it's miscast with some of the characters. Uh, I do think you could have done more character development. Um, but that being said, it is a solid watch. It's you know it it looks great and um, and yeah it's, it's it it gives it, it takes an idea and has a good go of it and there's nothing wrong with that. I would agree. Well, for me again, it's more of a war movie than a Star Wars film. Um, but no, it's a good solid effort. It looks beautiful. Um, cast on top form. It's very sad that they die at the end. Um, well, they are still brilliant. alive. Don't worry. Well, I, I know. Yeah, they didn't really. Yeah, obviously. They're, they're fictional. Don't worry. <laughs> These fictional characters, you know. It's, but you know, a good solid effort for sure. I don't know much about it though. I'm going to invite Charlie on some fun facts about this one. What can you tell yeah. us from your vat of knowledge? It's a vat. Um, it's a big yeah. vat and it's full of knowledge. It's a large vat. Um, I don't know why it's a bat, sorry. You're <laughs> um, back to tank of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so there's, there's quite a few kind of interesting cameos in the film. Um, with when, the, uh, when Cassian and Jin are walking through um, Jeddah, there's uh, a certain pair of, pe- of guys um, who we actually see in, in the next Star Wars film, which is... I don't like um, your face. Yeah, the the guys who Doctor Everson and Ponda Baba, aka Walrus Man, Walrus Man, um, as he was known from his original um, action figure, um, who were the two guys at the cantina in 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 Star Wars um, that uh, say I don't like you to Luke, and then Ponda Baba ends up getting his arm cut off by uh, Anna Guinness. Um, but the, the guy, the other one, um, Dr. Everson, is actually played in this film by uh, Michael Smiley, who people might know from a bunch of films directed by a guy called Ben Wheatley. Um, and he was also in um, a series, which was also kind of Star Wars influence, called Spaced, where he played a guy called Tyres, a raver who basically danced to fucking everything <laughs> with the slightest he raved all the time. Yeah, a boiling Great. kettle. And uh, yeah, due to hit, due to substance abuse, um, could have just snapped <laughs> instantly. Um, and then you also have, like before we mentioned the uh, Angus McKinn's Gold Leader and Drew Henley Red Leader from the original Star Wars. Simon Farnaby was in there as uh, one of Blue Squadron's um, pilots. Um, you might know him from, if you've ever seen Horrible Histories, he's uh, in that, and he's, he's one, one of the guys he plays is the uh, is Death in that, in the, the stupid Death bit. Um, he's also been in, like, the Mighty Boosh and things like that. The uh, in, when, when the Death Star gets activated, um, the two guys in the uh, 
the laser beam tunnel, whatever you want to call it, that um, look away for whatever reason as it goes down, are um, Ryan Johnson and uh, Ram Bergman, who are respectively director and producer of The Last Jedi. Um, there's also kind of like a couple of callbacks to things from Star Wars previously. Um, Darth Vader's castle, which is on Mustafa, as mentioned earlier, is based around a concept and concept art by Ralph McQuarrie um, from The Empire Strikes Back. Because originally he was going to have a castle in uh, in that film. And um, Chirrut and Baze are called the Guardians of the Wills. Um, now, when Star Wars was originally written, it was known as, well, it's basically, it's kind of like um, like the way at the end of Lord of the Rings, it's like, oh, it's, it's, all, it's all told from a book. So this book was called The Journal of the Wills, and supposedly in this book was all these tales of the wars to come and what have you. Um, and there's kind of ideas that wills were like this kind of these spiritual beings. And once upon a time, there was rumors that Yoda was supposed to be one and things like that. Um, so little callbacks to that. Um, That's fun, folks. That's fun, folks. <laughs> yeah, so I'd say it's like think... questioningly because it was genuinely fun, but I wasn't sure if he was finished. <laughs> I was thinking. That's fun and complete, folks. <laughs> Okay, so we're actually done with reviews. We've just got one more to come, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, social media. I'll go first. Uh, you can find me at Simitronics on the uh, on the old Twitter. Uh, you can find this podcast, as long as the old podcasts I've done before, uh, on Simitronics.co.uk, uh, where I will post um, these episodes of Do You Space to Talk. I probably will post some <laughs> some Simitronics episodes, uh, but, but she, when Dave's available, yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's it's more to availability. You know, I think once you know I've got a certain thing out of the way, I might uh, I might actually be more proactive. Who knows? I'm, I might get it done sooner, but so, you know. so Chris's things in the way. Yes, it's always in the way. Yeah, um, fair enough. When are you going to post Force Awakens? Uh, probably be tomorrow now. Cool. That's irrelevant to anyone listening to this because it's already out. <laughs> yeah, I thought we did it already. Never mind. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. Well, well one hope, that's hope, been hopefully, out hopefully it'll be out by the time this is this. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway. You can find me at Movie Drone on the new Twitter. Um, same as the old Twitter. So come and <laughs> say hello. again, folks. Um, yeah, come say hello and come and tell me what your favourite the- TV theme is. Because I'm collating something at the moment that's potentially part of a project I'm working on. So, Cheers. yeah. Come and tell me that. Cheers. I did see a list on Den of Geek about the top kids' TV themes, so I might resend you a list. I think I need I'm not saying you, thank but... you, by the way. I'm genuinely. No, I, 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 yeah, because you said cheers, and I was thinking, oh, really? He's thanking me. Why is he thanking me? And then I realised <laughs> cheers. cheers. Oh, but everybody knows your name. Any reaction at all? And I'm like, that's a classic tune. You can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Expect Us a Talk on Facebook.com slash Expect Us a Talk. And you can also find us on the YouTube, Do Expect Us a Talk. And also search for us on iTunes and Stitcher. With iTunes especially, please make sure you give us a glowing five star review. 
as helps to rank higher in the search and attract more lovely listeners. Speaking of cheers and uh, Ted Danson, did you see I tweeted Mary Steenbergen? Oh yeah, I, did, I didn't. To ask her if she's if he's ever fallen off well, a chair. <laughs> did she reply? <laughs> no, not yet. Oh. I like the fact we've got good people on this though. I, I asked the Pope and he was fucking useless. <laughs> the Pope. Well, if, if anyone's <laughs> been an this. And um. Robert Darby replied. But, um, yeah, Robert Darby's anyone you know, to reply to. I don't to know what so got far. into my head. I thought I need to ask someone and I asked Robert Darby, the Pope and NASA. <laughs> but, but what's great about Robert Darby, he actually sort of like, he's always if he was in on the joke. <laughs> he saw... yeah, no, he, yeah, he was. He was totally in on the joke. Well, I mean, I, not that we told him beforehand, but he spotted it for what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Darby's amazing at these sorts of going on about being a Politics, Trump supporter. Yeah, from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, he's great, and uh, we'd love to have him on the show sometime. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, yes, really would, definitely. Discuss three men and a baby. Benicio Del Toro as well, who's obviously now, he's in a Star Wars film now. Yes. Um, Perhaps he's the last Jedi. Yeah, I, I always thought because then they cast him as a villain. There's some confusion at that. There was kind of he was kind of like announced as yeah. like unnamed villain, and now he's kind of like no, he's not a villain. He's just kind of like a small character, which makes you think. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think from what I understand, he's a, a uh, well, you don't know if he's a villain or not. He probably is. I hope that gets answered at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll leave that to episode nine. Well, one episode to go. Well, apart from, obviously, any new Star Wars films, including the new Star Wars films that comes along. But we do have one more show to cover, which means, Becca. Do you expect us to talk or return with our commentary on Empire Strikes Back? 